from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Matt, and Ryan. We're all together for episode 580 of the show, and we had real football, you two. Man, I'm so jealous. You guys got to go to Canton, take part in the expo. Uh I don't even want to ask how much fun you had because I know you had a blast. Uh, you have any? You have any time to watch any f- preseason football this weekend, man? Not enough. I mean, we caught highlights here and there, um, but uh, I'm excited to go back and watch them all for sure. You know, I got to watch Tank Dell. How how exciting is Tank Dell right now? I know he should have caught that touchdown on the first on that, on that first attempt when it kind of went around and like bounced off his leg. But you know, the focus to grab it from that situation, that slant route through the middle of the defense. He's just doing what the same thing he was doing in college, and I get it's preseason week one but it's still a step up in competition from what he was seeing back at Houston, right? So I'm really excited for Tank. All right. So Price is on the Tank Dell Express. Ryan, you watch any football over the over the week one of the preseason? Anything catch your eye? Um, my answer would be similar. I did not get to watch as much as I would have wanted, for sure. That's maybe the uh, only only drawback of that Canton weekend because it, it, was, uh, it was definitely a blast meeting some people and hanging out with people around the industry. Um, it, it, it was just a good weekend for the tanks. I think because I think because <laughs> tank tank Bigsby was pretty good as well. He was. Got a little bit of run with the, uh, with the first team, uh, even before Trevor Lawrence left the game, ended up with, uh, over 50 rushing yards. And, um, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think his value, shot up a little bit it seems so uh maybe we'll maybe we'll find out for sure later in the show i know we're going to see what we think those rookies are worth yeah we i watched that that game in fact i watched the whole thing and bigsby came on the field in short yardage with the with the first team and then etn came off the field on passing downs as well so maybe in a corresponding move etn's gonna slide down some rankings right now he looks like he could be a between the twenties guy, there's a, there's a few things that caught my eye throughout the weekend. I probably watched a little bit more football than you. Jordan Addison looks like the real deal. He got robbed, uh, had a, had a catch pulled away from him, uh, where he tapped the toes on the sideline. That was pretty slick. Um, JSN looked pretty good in limited action for Seattle. I watched that game. And then Jameer Gibbs is getting, getting all the love in the dynasty in- industry right now. 
the way he played for the Lions the other night as well. So we got a lot to get to on the show. We're going to cover all kinds of news from around the league after preseason week one. And we're going to take a look at a last shot at a rookie mock draft for those of you that maybe have an August rookie draft. I know I have one of those every year that I look forward to in one of my home leagues. I, I love to see the differences in that draft compared to, you know, draft season. But let's, uh, let's get to the startup because there's some veteran news we need to get to. The startup. It finally happened, guys. These veteran running backs, the shoes are dropping. Zeke, he signs with the New England Patriots, a one-year deal. Delvin Cook signs a one-year deal. Go figure with the Jets. He gets a little bit more money, as kind of expected. Matt, does this this Delvin Cook signing does that do anything to uh, to Brees Hall for you in your in your rankings? You know, I wish it I wish it did more, but it's just really hard to move him down too far, even with this news that you know he's probably. I mean, you, you assume he's going to get healthy at some point. He's going to have a decent workload. Um, but I, I've had him at running back two previously. I moved him to running back four, so he's behind Bijan, Gibbs, McCaffrey, and Taylor now. I find it really hard to move him behind, you know, I got Saquon next and Etienne and Walker and Stevenson, those guys, and then you get to the old guys, older guys like Eckler and Pollard. So it's 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 tough to move him too far down, even though this, I think, is a big, big hit to his, at least his production value for 2023. Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually have not moved Brees Hall at all down my rankings. He was the uh, he was my RB three before this news uh, with with the two rookies ahead of him, Robinson and Gibbs. I think I'm going to keep him there. Obviously, a, a conversation between Brees Hall, McCaffrey, Taylor, Eckler, Barkley. I think those guys are all debatable, and and we could see them in in, in many different orders. Um, I don't know. I just kind of felt like the writing was on the wall. So I'd already moved Brees Hall down a little bit. We've seen his ADP slip a little bit over the last couple of months as well. So this, this was kind of expected. Um, it, it is just a one-year deal. I, I think we have to start looking at Brees Hall as um, from an, from a possible elite standpoint as a 2024 guy. Mm, I, I don't see it that way. I, I think maybe they were going to, they were going to ease their way into Brees Hall this year anyway. Yeah, that's I, what I mean. I would say, I'm just saying, I don't think, I think this, this means we don't get elite production from Brees Hall. Maybe for the first five or six, maybe even eight weeks, but I would assume Brees Hall gets 80% of the workload down the stretch. If the jets are in, in the playoff hunt. It feels like an insurance policy to me. It, and I know the deal says one year. It might be a five-week contract, really. This gives them the flexibility to let Brees take his time to get back. Maybe we don't even see him in week one or week two. And maybe he gets eased in throughout September and even into October. But I, it really does feel like an opportunity for the team, the Jets I'm talking about here, to ease into uh, getting Brees Hall back to really back to a hundred percent and give him that workload that they really want to give him when the games really matter. And those carries really matter. You remember the last time we saw Delvin cook, he was good. In fact, he was real good, but he wore down a little bit last season. So, you know, I don't, I don't think they see Delvin cook as a 40, even 40 or even 35% of the workload kind of guy when the games really matter in December, 
I think they see him as a 75% guy, though, for the first month of the season while Brees comes back. If there's any kind of dip out there in value because of this, if, if you can buy Brees Hall for 5% less than you could before, which I think is probably palatable and, and maybe even probable at this point mm-hmm. for dynasty managers, I'm going to buy that dip. Yeah, that's fair. And and I would agree. I would be buying as well. I still, uh, I still value him. As I said, I still value him long-term. Um, this doesn't concern me. Certainly doesn't concern me beyond this year. And, and maybe, uh, you know, you could definitely be right. Maybe it's, uh, a back half of the season, he he is what we expected him to be. The truth is, Hall's still coming off an injury, a, a pretty serious injury, and these these guys need typically need a full year to get back. Maybe maybe that's what they're trying to do there in New York. Uh, how about Mark Michael Carter? There, the news hasn't been great on Carter this preseason and and really throughout training camp. Um, gosh, his, his dynasty value is is in the can, Matt. Yeah, I've got him at running back 54 now. <laughs> if that tells you anything, maybe that is even high. I'm not sure. Um, I think he's still a good player. It's just he's buried now. So I think we're just going to have to wait for a second team uh, with him between, of course, Cook and Brees and Abanacanda. Like it just, Zon of a Knight came on at the end of last year. It just seems like he's the, the third or fourth back at best on this on this offense. Maybe probably likely the fourth, I would guess. Um, but you know, I bet you he still gets some play on third downs. He's a good, good at pass protection and he's a good pass catcher. So, um, he's not going to be a fantasy option, but I think he's still going to be involved for the Jets. Matt mentioned Abanacanda, Ryan. He's, he's kind of one of your guys, a guy that yeah. you were monitoring closely on draft weekend. Of course, he's still a guy that we have hope for down the road, but it it's definitely down the road at this point. We're not looking at 2023 Abana being a being a guy we click on his name uh, in dynasty leagues when set in lineups. Yeah, no, I mean not at all. And uh, it, the 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 odds were very small, uh, very slim of that happening uh, before this, and and this kind of seals the deal there. Um, I, I mean, I still like Abana Kanda, but I mean it's 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 a long road. Yeah. We assume, you know, kind of like Matt said, maybe Matt, uh, maybe uh, Michael Carter is is the odd man out. But he, even if he's gone, you know, still behind Dalvin, behind Brees when he's healthy, uh, and then competing with Zonovan Knight or, or or Carter if he's around. I mean, I guess the the silver lining for Abana Kanda is you assume he's got a roster spot essentially locked up as that. Um, mid-round rookie pick um so maybe you know maybe that's the advantage over carter or or knight but i mean all five of these backs are on on dynasty rosters right now and in deep leagues so it's going to be a situation to continue to monitor especially uh the back end of that depth chart and abana kanda has shown well i would say in the preseason to this point he's getting a getting a workload throughout the preseason they're giving him a good look We'll see how that shakes out with that final roster spot. I would imagine that the Jets keep four running backs, but uh, you never know what these things and who knows what they do with Brees Hall to start the season. Transferring our attention over to New England, another AFC East team that adds a veteran running back. Zeke signs there. Looks like a one-year, $6 million deal with the Patriots, Matt. And, you know, the the – Dynasty masses, I would say, are split a little bit on Ramondre Stevenson. There's there's a certain percentage that think Stevenson might have had their his best season 
uh, last year for the Patriots. And now, now they're adding Z. Of course, Ramondre really wore down late in the season for the Patriots. Maybe Zeke takes a little bit off his plate and keeps him fresher later into the season. How do you read this signing as far as Stevenson's uh, both short and long-term value in Dynasty? Yeah, this one's tough. Uh, I'm a big fan of Stevenson. He had a six-game stretch last season of 20% target share or more. Obviously showed that he could pa- catch the ball, a big a big back that can catch the ball. That's, that's where you make your money at the running back position in fantasy football. So he has it all. But now with Zeke there, you know, you have to assume that he's going to take some touchdown equity away from him. If he's going to be used uh, at all, honestly, it's going to be in those short yardage and goal line situations, I think. And then on the other end, you know, we've been talking about all offseason, does Pierre Strong come in and take some of the passing game work again? So if Stevenson gets squeezed on both sides, then we have a, a dangerous player uh, at his current valuation. So yeah, I'm definitely concerned. I haven't moved him yet, um, but I have to imagine I'm, I'm going to bump him a few spots down the running back ranking. So definitely concerned, but I still think he's the best player in the backfield. So he's, you're, you're not totally dead if you have him, but I definitely think you've got a value, a little bit of a value drop here. Yeah, I mentioned the the how he wore down late in the season. In fact, in the last seven games of the season, in in six of them, he handled 13 or less carries. Um, and, and really struggled under three yards of carry, uh, I think three times over that stretch. It just wasn't the same guy as earlier in the season when we saw those 16, 19, 25 carry games. And, and we were seeing him ch- burst for, with big chunks, chunk gains. Those weren't happening quite as often late in the year. And some Ramondre Stevenson backers flipped the script a little bit. And we, we saw him traded in some dynasty leagues this off season as, as really his value was at a peak, Ryan, what do you feel about Stevenson and, and what this Zeke signing does to his value? Yeah. I'm actually more worried about Stevenson than, uh, than Brees Hall for some of the reasons mm-hmm. that you laid out there. I mean, I think his, his standing as a, as an RB one in dynasty was already a little sketchy where Brees is certainly locked in as a, as a high end RB one. Um, I mean, Zeke is not the, you know, we don't look at Zeke as the same type of threat as Dalvin cook, but specifically to Ramondre uh, where Zeke has, has been that, that red zone, that goal line threat. It's bad news. And and Matt kind of mentioned it there that if, if Ramondre, just like we said with ETN, if he's a between the twenties guy, he's going to continue to fall. I mean, Zeke had 12 touchdowns last year. The Patriots had 12 touchdowns last year, right? I mean, there's a reason he brought he, that this team brought him in and it's, it's just another, uh, another rough situation for Ramondre Stevenson and his value. I mean, we know the deal with the Patriots. They always want, uh, multiple back system. The only reason they didn't have it last year is because Damian Harris was uh, dealing with multiple injuries and was in and out of the lineup. They also don't like to rely on rookies. So we didn't see Pierre strong much. We didn't see Kevin Harris much. Uh, it was, it was pretty much Ramondre as the, uh, as uh, really the every down back. And honestly, the more I, I kind of talk through it here, I think it's a similar story to what we're seeing with ETN that the Jags, uh, we're kind of left with ETN as really the main option after James Robinson was gone. Uh, so both of these teams just went with what they had. 
and uh, now they're going to go into 2023 with with some options and uh, some depth. Yeah, Ramondre handled those 210 carries, went over a thousand yards, and scored five touchdowns last season, but it was the 69 receptions that really put him over the top, especially in PPR for dynasty managers only scored once as a pass catcher, but those 69 points went a long ways towards making him that RB one. Meanwhile, Damian Harris, which a lot of the easy transition for a lot of us are going to, is going to be, well, Zeke's going to take those Damian Harris touches, right? He had 106 carries in just nine or excuse me, 11 games. Uh, but scored three touchdowns, if I remember correctly, was really that primary goal line and short yardage back until he started to struggle with those uh, with those nagging injuries. He caught a handful of passes, too, got to 17 there. I think a lot of us, as I said, are going to think that he's just going to – Zeke will just take over that Harris role, and that may be the case. But the truth is they went into the season with Stevenson and Harris being a committee. And if that's the case this year, Stevenson loses a lot of touches. And Zeke really, honestly, his his value as a as a guy you can put in your fan, fantasy lineup is going to de- be dependent on touchdowns. If he gets into the end zone, if he gets that goal line roll, maybe you can put him in your lineup as a flex for one more season. But what he's doing to dynasty managers really is submarining Stevenson's value Mm -hmm. on a week-to-week basis. Over under 150 touches for Zeke. I would say that's a good over under, and I would say (laughs) over. And then in in turn, that makes Stevenson's over under probably 175 or 185. And I think there's a lot of people, if it was in that range, that might say might say under on that. But unless he, he catches seventy passes, again. That, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, if, if he can, if he maintains the receiving down back, I think he's going to be, you know, obviously not as as high of a ceiling, but at least you have that 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 PBR floor there. Yeah, I mean that's that's weird? that's kind of the you know that's almost the best case situation now is that. If Pierre Strong doesn't get handed that that pass catching role, Ramondre gets that and gets between the twenties. Now he's still okay. Yeah, it's probably completely submarines any value of any other Patriots running back. There's there's a few Pierre Strong uh, believers out there. Probably not gonna not gonna have that Kevin Falk role as a pass catcher anymore. Uh, that looks like all Ramondre Stevenson. You know, we're, we're talking about Zeke. Like, he still has the name recognition and everything. But he struggled mightily last year, under four yards a carry. I don't see that improving going from the Dallas offensive line, which is regarded as as one of the – probably the top third of the league, to the Patriots who, who have struggled just a little bit. Uh Anything else to add here on the Cook and Elliott signings before we move on, fellas? Uh, no, just I'm, two. I'm two glad more. it's over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we still have two more shoes to drop, right? We still have, I mean, potentially, we still have Fournette out there. We still have Kareem Hunt out there who have been visiting teams, right? So this this may not be over for the pain for our dynasty running backs. <laughs> mm, thanks for that, Matt. <laughs> be prepared. Dynasty Drumbeats. So we're a few weeks into 
training camp and already a week into the preseason, week plus into the preseason, there has been some news that's we've been able to filter out that maybe has some dynasty implications. So let's run through this just a little bit. And I want to start with a rookie running back, Kendra Miller. He suffered that knee injury. Uh, news that it could be just a week or two, might be ready for week one. There's a lot of dynasty managers that have either drafted Kendra Miller already and added them to their roster that are thinking maybe down the road in 2023 and certainly in 2024, they have something here, Ryan. I tell you what, I watched that Saints game, the Saints and the Chiefs, and Elvin Kamara looked like old school Elvin Mm, Kamara in that game. They're not going to lead Kendra Miller for a little bit. So this injury doesn't really concern me all that much with any Miller shares. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't concern me, but I mean, this was a guy who came into the league injured. Now he's uh, now sure. he's banged up again when he actually had a shot of maybe uh, maybe seeing the field in, in those first three weeks when Alvin Kamara was uh, w- will be suspended. So it's just kind of frustrating uh, that that he's already dealing with this again. Um, that that Saints team, you know, speaking of Kareem Hunt, they brought Kareem Hunt in for a visit. In fact, we're uh, reportedly signing him, and I guess that that didn't get worked out. But they're they're still shopping for a back as well. And uh, I mean, you think about Leonard Fournette; he has some New Orleans ties or some Louisiana ties. So, you know, maybe that's the direction they look since since the Hunt uh, signing didn't work out. Long term, I mean, Miller is fine, but it, it's been a rough first uh, few months of his NFL career. The truth is Jamal Williams is going to be that primary back while Kamara is out. And when Kamara comes back, he'll rotate into that primary back role with maybe Jamal Williams being the, um, being the short yardage guy and, and maybe the primary guy inside the five yard line. Uh, Matt, do you have any take on, on Miller specifically and where dynasty managers brains should be at right now, as far as their shares of him? I don't think so. I mean, we had hope at the beginning of the season that while Kamara is suffering, is, or suffering, but I guess he's suffering, going through that suspension uh, for three games, that maybe he would be more involved. Uh, but I think I think we I kind of always knew in the back of our mind that Jam- Jamal Williams was going to get the bulk of, of those touches. So I don't think anything really changes for him. Uh, you know, maybe he gets a little bit less you know, run during those first three weeks with this, you know, this, this injury here, but I'm not convinced he was going to get, have a, have a major role anyway, uh, you know, until much later this season. My gut tells me that the saints drafted him for 2024 and beyond. I think that's pretty obvious actually. Yeah. And, but I, I've always kind of had the feeling that maybe late in his rookie season, he could come on strong. He could maybe take a few of those carries away from Williams potentially, and they could show Williams the door after the year. We'll see if that plays out. These injuries and everything Ryan talked about there, there, there is reason to at least monitor the situation. Yeah, and, and well, in this division, I mean, they're, you know, I think they're as likely as any of the teams in this division to make the playoffs to come out of that division, right? So having some fresh young legs at the end of the season and in the playoffs, that could be where, where Miller makes his mark. Speaking of rookies, the all three rookie quarterbacks got on the field for the first time this uh, this preseason. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, of course Richardson over there in Indianapolis. It, it didn't exactly go as planned, though. There were some tough looking interceptions, and some inaccuracies for sure, and 
man, did Bryce Young look tiny in that game. Mm. I, that's been the talking point with Bryce Young all year, Ryan. Yeah, man, I, I watched that game and Bryce Bryce Young looked like a boy among men there. <laughs> Yeah, he he really did, sadly. And and there were some, uh, you, you know, there's been some talk that I've heard um, that maybe concerns about Bryce uh, Bryce Young's arm strength. You know, maybe that's that could be a potential issue. That was not necessarily something, although he was not necessarily known for his arm strength. It was it was not something that was specifically questioned much throughout that uh, draft process. Uh, but if that's a piece of the the puzzle of being an undersized quarterback uh, yet another red flag for Bryce young. I, I do think, I mean, I think of the three Richardson looked the best, even though he had that ugly mm-hmm. interception uh, early in the game. I think ultimately he looked the best of the three. And, and right now I think the, the Bryce young and the CJ Stroud games were mostly team related. Um, I mean, CJ Stroud just got destroyed yeah. back there. It, that was ugly. Um, the Texans need to fix that before they get their kid hurt. Matt, what takeaways did you have for these three rookies? Yeah, uh, I, I think. I mean, I think you're right. I think uh, Young looked, you know, looked small, but we we knew he was small. I, I think he looked pretty cool and calm and collected in the pocket. Like he he was not afraid of that pressure coming in. He was delivering passes when while taking those hits. So. I mean, you don't want him to take those hits, obviously, because of that size, but that offensive line is not great. Uh, so this is going to be something that he's going to have to deal with. But I thought it was an encouraging uh, uh, first start and, and very limited action. Richardson, I mean, I, if, if Alec Pierce caught that ball, we wouldn't care. I don't think we would care nearly as much about that terrible interception. He also threw uh, a, a strike right in the middle of the field. I forget the receiver who was that caught it. Um, but I think he looked. I think he looked what we thought he was going to look like. He looked good running and he looked good with the deep ball. That deep ball was right on the money and it just went right through uh, Alec Pierce's hand. So uh, if they can get that connection working, then I have no worries about him. And then Stroud, I'm just going to write it off. We saw obviously different situation, different coaching staff, all that kind of stuff. But we saw an entire season uh, of, of, of Trevor Lawrence be absolutely terrible. So we're not going to panic with Stroud yet. We know he can come back from this. Uh, CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud is not Trevor. Oh no, he's definitely, let's not do that. He's definitely not, but I'm not going to like, Oh, well, I'm completely off Stroud after one bad preseason. Well, no, no, we don't have to be off any of these guys. That would be crazy. But, um, we, we can't pretend that every first rounder hits either. Right. I mean, we saw, we saw a season of Zach Wilson be terrible as well. And, and, you know, we know, we, 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 I think we had ideas about that one. Is CJ Stroud closer to Zach Wilson or Trey Lawrence? That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to breeze right past that Lawrence comp there, but Ryan wasn't comping to him. Just the situation. <laughs> Jeez. Let's get back to the running back position. Uh, head coach John Harbaugh called J.K. Dobbins 100% healthy. They activated him from the PUP. There was rumblings Matt that this was a hold-in situation we all know that J.K. Dobbins is not thrilled with his contract but he's just another running back that doesn't have any leverage on on, with the team on a contract situation he's got to get on the field and, and do it right 
This one is so tough, Dan. I know both and I, uh, both you and I are big fans. Uh, I thought he, you know, assuming he was healthy last season, thought he could lead, lead, lead the league in rushing in 2022. Obviously, that did not happen. And this contract situation is a nightmare, and I don't know what he's thinking. It's not like he's really shown enough on the field to demand anything. So as much as I like the guy, I, I mean, I, I really hope he has a great season. Otherwise, I mean, I, I'm off of him after this year if, if, if we have another you know, a season where he's in and out of the lineup and just doesn't show any consistency. It's just so hard because even last year with that dead leg, you know, averaging over five yards of carry, he, he still looked good with that leg. So hopefully the team and him can make amends and we're all excited about this offense. He hopefully should be excited about this new offense, probably going to catch some more passes in this offense. So uh, I mean, I'm still optimistic, but it's, it's, it's worrisome. If you if you're waiting till next year after another down season, it'll be too late on J.K. Dobbins. We've all been burned a few too many times, most likely there. Speaking of backs, uh, Ryan, the Eagles' backfield is weird, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't know yes. what Swift was the first one on the field. Penny comes in and plays a little bit with the starters, but into the second quarter, there's all the news that Gainwell is the guy and looks so good and running with the ones. He and Boston Scott got rest. Now there's the the theory maybe that those guys are the veterans. They've been in Philly. They didn't need to see Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell. They needed to see Swift and Penny. What do you make? What's going on in Philly? Are you excited about any of these guys uh, for the Eagles? Well, I've been excited about Kenny Gainwell. Um, and, I mean, he's been a guy that I've been drafting in, in season-long drafts and trying to acquire in dynasty drafts. So I, I, I guess I feel good about this. I wouldn't say I feel vindicated because I don't quite believe, I uh, certainly don't believe actually that, that Gainwell is the RB1 in Philly. Um, you know, maybe that veteran piece and, and the, the familiarity of, of these guys uh, with the Eagles staff, that, that could certainly be a big piece of it. Um, I mean, Gainwell's been Gainwell's been of the, the top three guys. He's been the cheapest. He's been the one um, that I think is actually the safest and also has some upside while, while Swift and Penny have just kind of been confusing. Uh, they didn't pay much to acquire either of those guys. So Gainwell is still the one I want at cost, but uh, we, we can probably expect he- that cost to go up. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, it, it already has Ryan. I've, I've done three underdog drafts in the last two days, and he was he went in the twelfth round in two of them, and the eleventh round in one of them. Whereas mm-hmm. you were getting him the sixteenth, seventeenth round like this last week. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's crazy. There's so many other things we could talk. I guess we could hit on the Bears, Justin Fields, and DJ Moore, and Khalil Herbert. They look good in week one on screen games, although <laughs> Fields had like negative four air yards on those two <laughs> touchdown passes. Uh, Zach Ertz got fully cleared, and he's on track to play. Jonathan Taylor's headed back to camp, uh, but is very upset with that franchise could talk about that every kansas city wide receiver gets like their one shining moment every other day in camp it feels like you, you see that 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 shot uh, the, the video of this wide receiver making a play and he's the next big thing it, the list goes on romeo dobbs looks good and he's getting big reports out of green bay love was up and down as a rook in his first start uh of the preseason any of this stuff what, what do you want to pick something ryan is there something you want to talk about well, I mean, the Bears is probably the Bears deal is probably the most exciting um, with uh, with what we saw last week. But 
like you said, I don't, I don't know that we're ready to extrapolate that over a full season that he's going to, uh, he's going to have a 66% touchdown rate or every, uh, every short screen pass is going to go for a touchdown. It, it's exciting to see. And, and uh, I mean, certainly the hope there is that DJ Moore helps Justin Fields become a better quarterback. I think that's a realistic uh, expectation. Uh, will it be good enough is going to be the question. I, I feel fine with Justin Fields as a dynasty asset. I don't think he's, I, I don't expect him to, expect him to make the same type of leap as a passer that we've seen from some of these other guys who are now the elite quarterbacks in dynasty and in the NFL. Matt, you got something that caught your eye out of that. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I've been just like operating like Zach Ertz is, is not going to be a thing. Even now that he is cleared and healthy, ready to play, I'm still going to be taking Trey McBride deep in those, those underdog drafts. And certainly if if someone in in a dynasty league sees this as a as a bad thing for for Trey McBride and his at least his value for this year, then I'm happy to pounce there as well. So I I, I personally would be paying no, very little attention to that news. Uh, you guys feel like doing a mock draft? Let's do it. The DLF Dynasty Podcast Mock Draft. Yeah, we had to squeeze one more Superflex rookie mock draft in for you guys that are are doing your rookie drafts in August. Maybe maybe you transferred your league like I did ten or twelve years ago from a from a regular yearly uh, league to to a dynasty, and you do a rookie draft now in August to replace the uh, the auction that you had or the draft that you had before. So. Um, we're going to get through at least two rounds, maybe try to hit a third round as well. We're assuming super flex, of course, assuming PPR as well. And Ryan, uh, you did the drawing for, for the draft order and you happened to draw the number one. Mm, lucky, <laughs> lucky, lucky. Um, nothing I've seen from those quarterbacks. We talked about the struggles that they had. Uh, nothing I've seen from those rookie quarterbacks uh, it, it has been enough to to change my pick. Uh, so I'll take Bijan Robinson, obviously at the one hundred and one. Yeah, I uh, can't disagree with you there. I think all of us would have done that. Um, I I drew the second pick here, and I recently flip flopped my rankings. I'm finally I finally got Anthony Richardson at the two spot and the number one spot among quarterbacks. Uh, the upside that you guys have been preaching to me, it's finally its finally sinking in. Uh, I'll take Anthony Richardson right here at the 1.02. Glad you finally capitulated there, Dan. That's well, welcome to the club here. Um, I, I've made some shifts in my rankings too uh, over the last month or so. This is not a new shift for me, but I'm going to go ahead and take Jameer Gibbs over those other two quarterbacks as well. I made that change uh, a month ago or so. It's not that uncommon now at this point yeah. to see Gibbs go as high as two, even in super flex leagues. I've uh, I've heard rumblings out of a handful of leagues. In fact, Ryan, you and I are in a league that drafted about a month ago, and we saw Jameer Gibbs go second overall. So uh, not that not that unsup or maybe it was third overall. Not that unsurprising at this point. And if you're in a home league, especially where running backs are valued highly, those leagues where you have to start two every single week. Uh, don't be surprised if you see Gibbs this high or, or maybe even at two overall, Ryan. 
Yeah, I was definitely ready to grab Gibbs at four if if Matt had gone with one of those quarterbacks. Uh, he snipes me here, so instead I will go quarterback. Uh, I prefer Bryce Young. I preferred him before, and and that's an even easier call at this point. So I'll take Bryce Young uh, at the four spot. Yeah, that's a good pick right there. Really presents a lot of value compared to where we were even even a couple of months ago when it was it was obvious that Bryce Young would be the third pick in most drafts after Bijan and Anthony Richardson. There was even a time where a lot of dynasty analysts and dynasty players were taking Young at two over Richardson. So maybe some value right now to be gained right there. I'm going to stick with the Superflex theme here. I'm taking C.J. Stroud at five if I'm holding the fifth pick in a rookie draft, and this is how things go. I expect these guys to be the top four picks, meaning Robinson, Richardson, Gibbs, and Young. But I could see Stroud slipping in late rookie drafts. In fact, that one I alluded to just a minute ago, Ryan, we saw him fall all the way down to seven. So don't be surprised in your rookie draft if he falls to the second half of the first round, potentially. Matt, you're up at the 106. Yeah, you guys made it easy for me. This is Jackson Smith and Jigma, pretty easy. I I think I would have taken him at five over Stroud as well. Uh, It just seems like he is getting enough buzz that he looks like the best receiver in camp. We have dynasty and fantasy analysts everywhere just shocked and appalled that we are, we continue to disrespect Tyler Lockett, but look, he's 31. At some point he's going to stop getting a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. It could be this year. We want to dump on this offense as being run heavy, run heavy, run heavy, run heavy. I get that. That's the, that's, that's the, the tradition there, but we saw Gino, uh, really take off last year, and I'm I'm sticking with that. I think JSN is going to be plenty fantasy relevant during his rookie season. Yeah, JSN would have been the only receiver I would have considered over CJ Stroud. That's a close call for sure. And you know, I all whenever I consider Jackson Smith and Jigba, a, a lot of dynasty managers might think to themselves, "Oh, Seattle and that run first offense and all the wide receivers they have and the quarterback situation." And all I can think of is that this guy shined with Olave and Wilson on the same roster in college. And in situations where that happens, that doesn't happen by accident. JSN is going to be a superstar, potentially even as soon as this year, if things just break right for him. And this is a bargain here at 106. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan, you're up at the seven pick. Yeah. JSN was the end of that, uh, that tier. So uh, I, uh, it's, it's rough to have that pick after the tier breaks, but uh, in this case, it makes it pretty easy for me. I think Jordan Addison is at the top of the next tier, so I'll take him at the seven spot. Yeah, I completely agree. Top of the next tier, belongs at the 107 in a lot of leagues. I've seen him sneak up a pick or two from here as well, and there's a little bit of hype coming out of Minnesota, and deservedly so, he looked real good in that Seattle game in week one of the preseason. Uh, we'll see how, how the rest of the preseason shakes out. But this is the range, certainly, where you're going to see Jordan Addison. It's also the range where you'll see Quentin Johnston. That's who I'm going to take here at the 1.08. Johnston is is moving up the redraft community boards right now with the injuries down there in Los Angeles. That high-octane passing game. They're going to throw throw a lot of balls this year, and Johnston's going to be on the receiving end of quite a few of them, especially if one of those veterans in front of them, Mike Williams uh, and Keenan Allen, go down as they have here in the last couple of years. So Quentin Johnston's the eighth pick. Matt, you're up at number nine. 
Yeah, J- Quinn Johnson. I've said it before, but he's the he's the player who I have done the biggest 180 on. Like I, I was hoping he had felt felt a nine here. I didn't think he was getting past you, Dan. But he has looked. I mean, it, it's it's mostly in the it's mostly in the practices, right? Without the pads on, he's looked really good. But he looked really good in that first game as well. So uh, I'm really excited about what Quentin Johnson can do there. And I just really, I guess, I just really wasn't seeing the fit as well because I mean, if you think about it, like both of those guys are, 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 are not the, the, the picture of health, right? So one injury away and this guy could take over that receiving core, I think. Um, and he may even do it with, with, with both of them healthy. Um, but I'm going to go with Zay Flowers here. Very excited about the, the Baltimore offense. And, you know, OBJ came up a little bit. I haven't got any update on, on, on whatever it was that it was ailing, ailing him, if you guys know there. Uh, and, you know, we have Rashad Bateman, who has this, this plantar fasciitis thing, got the injection. He was cleared, so he's back practicing and playing. But it seems to me that, like, all kind of all roads are leading to Zay Flowers as, as the wide receiver to have in that receiver core in Baltimore right now. How do you guys feel about the tier breaks right here among these wide receivers, Addison Johnston and Zay Flowers? Do you feel like they're all slammed in there together, or is there any break between any of them? They're all pretty close for me personally. I think so. Um, I think so. Yeah. But this, I but mean, this group right here, though, you guys, like this is the the safe nine, right? This is the nine you want. After this, things get a little crazy. No, I think there's two. There might be one more name that goes in there. I think there's actually two more names that that go in there. I'm going to take one of them. Uh, I'll take Zach Charbonnet at ten overall. Uh, He's the player. He's probably the rookie I have the most shares of uh, because he keeps falling to the end of the first round, where my pick happens to be. Um, So I've gotten a lot of Charbonnet lately in rookie drafts, and I'll take him again here in this mock draft. Yeah, that's a pretty humble brag. Yeah, I always, I always pick late in the first round. I didn't know uh, if anybody would pick up on that one. Oh, come on, Ryan. We've been hanging out for too long for that. Uh, yeah, that that sucks. I, I think Charbonnet was the is the number ten pick in these rookie rookie drafts, especially right now. I you know the news trying to trying to uncover what's going on there in Seattle is difficult. It, you know, it really has been for years ever since this coaching staff took over Pete, good old grandpa Pete. He he's so positive about everything. And he, mm. while he talks about injuries, he never really gives you anything. He, he says, Oh, Charbonnet went down. He's got an injury. He's going to be week to week. And then, uh, uh, forgive me. I forget the starters, the Kenneth Walker. Holy cow. Walker. He gets an injury. I think the same day or the day after or whatever. Yeah. And that one doesn't seem as serious, but Charbonnet comes back faster and, it's just such a mess all the time in Seattle. I really like Charbonnet as a value at the end of the first round in a rookie draft right now. And I, there was a time earlier in the offseason, guys, where we'd see him slip into the second round from time to time in these super flex yep. drafts. So uh, a lot of us out there got, got some big value. Um, I'm up here at the 11 pick, and I'm, I'm really torn. There's, there's, a, there's a few names worth considering for sure. I think the one that stands out to me is tight end Dalton Kincaid with Buffalo. So I'm going to take him right here. And while I don't feel great about it and think there's a definite tier break between 10 and 11 and Ryan, I'd love your, your thoughts on, on if I got the guy that you were thinking. Um, I, I just, I hate the idea of taking a, a tight end right here in an offense where I'm not convinced he's first off going to be one of the top, 
uh, target earners in the first couple of years of his contract. And then secondly, having to wait just in general for a tight end, because as we all know, tight ends, tight ends never uh, put up fantasy numbers in year one. Yeah. He was the guy I was, I was referring to as the, uh, the other guy in that tier. And I mean, I get those concerns obviously, but I do think we've seen that shift a little bit over the uh, past few years, as far as the rookie tight ends, uh, getting an earlier role, making an earlier impact. And um, I mean, we've spent the past few months, the community in general, kind of bad mouthing Dawson Knox and understanding why they made that pick when they missed out on the uh, top receivers in the draft and, and then hearing how they plan to use Dalton Kincaid. So uh, I think this is, this is the spot where Kincaid belongs. Yeah, that's where I, I settled on him, and it's fine. The other factor that I think about here, and Matt, I'd love your opinion on this, is that there's so many tight ends in this class that I'm interested in, and you can get them so much later in the draft. I kind of feel like I'd rather sometimes maybe roll the dice on the fourth quarterback or the next running back or another wide receiver here, knowing in the late second I can probably add a tight end that I feel pretty good about in the long term as well. Yeah, I, 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 I would gravitate towards that second thought there, Dan, because I, I think that, well, first of all, I think there's a massive gap between Flowers and Charbonnet. Um, and then we've got this tier of a few players here with Charbonnet, Kincaid, and I'm going to take A-Chain. Um, but I, I've, I've moved Laporta ahead of, of Kincaid in my rankings. I just feel better about the oh. fit with him. I feel better about his role in that offense. I feel better that we have seen uh, true athletic testing for him that he was basically the entire offense. And I know Kincaid was too, but it was one year and we didn't really see production before that at, at, with lesser, lesser quality competition against true uh, uh, difficult top top uh, 10, top 12 kind of competition that he did play. I think it was two or three games. He kind of faded to the background again uh, a bit in that offense. So I'm worried about Kincaid. I'm definitely not taking him as a tight end six or whatever it is. And, and he's going as in, in, in ADP right now. Um, and I just, I just like the fit with Laporta better. Um, so I, I, I think you could argue, argue that they're the same tier, uh, if you want, but I'm definitely not placing Kincaid like a full tier or even like, you know, more than a handful of picks ahead Laporta at this point. Um, my pick was a chain. Uh, I still like the upside, still like the ceiling. We avoided the Dalvin cook disaster as we mentioned earlier. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's wheels up for a chain as long as he can, harness you know let's say 45 percent of the the running back work in that offense yeah and that i think that's a reasonable expectation as long as that coaching staff is willing to give him that kind of workload considering his body type and things like that and and really the depth chart there are other names that they certainly want to get involved in that backfield so the first round is in the books of this super flex rookie mock draft it went Bijan robinson to ryan at the 101 followed by anthony richardson Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Jackson Smith in Jigba. The second half of round one went Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, Zach Charbonnet, Dalton Kincaid, and Devin A-Chain. Ryan, why don't you kick off round two? We'll try to get through this one a little bit quicker. Yeah, well, basically we're doing this to see how player value has changed, and I've moved this guy way up my ranking, so I'm going to go ahead and take Tank. Thank you, Bigsby. Okay. Gave me a heart attack, Ryan. I'm not taking your third-round receiver (laughs) here. Don't worry. 
No, you definitely. I got I got sniped here. Tank Bigsby was going to be my pick at 14. He certainly moved up. I love the high value touches that we already see he's going to get in an yep. offense that we think is going to be pretty good, considering those receivers. Evan Ingram in Jacksonville and a quarterback that we expect to even take another step forward. Uh, man, that that offense looks like it's on the right track. The offensive line is in good shape right now. And if Bigsby gets even 40% of the workload there, that is a big enough chunk to have some standalone value, even in his rookie season. Love the Bigsby call there. He's, he's closer to aging than he is now to the next uh, running back in my rankings. Agreed. For sure. Um, I am going to, I guess I'm going to take the other quarterback here at 14 overall. He's the next guy in my rankings. It's Will Levis. If you watch that Titans game, uh, it wasn't just the, the defense against the screen game that looked questionable. There was a couple Will Levis throws that looked pretty, pretty questionable as well. Um, he's a guy that needs some development for sure. That strong arm was on, on point though. Uh, I think it was Saturday afternoon. Um, I think there's some there's some upside still with Will Levis, and to get him in the second round doesn't feel too bad. Matt, go ahead with the 203. Yeah, I'll take the player I mentioned before, Sam Laporta here. Not too much more to say. It's just, you know, he was such a huge percentage of that Iowa offense. He knows what it's like to be the guy, and he's on that fast track in Detroit. Uh, until Jamison Williams comes back, it doesn't feel like there's too much competition other than uh, Jameer Gibbs, of course, uh, as a receiver. Um, outside of uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. So I love him. I think he's going to produce in year one. I like the Laporta call. I was considering him uh, and Bigsby at that 2.01 spot. Um, so I guess you got me there, Matt, but I knew you would. Um, I I think this is, this is kind of the range where you uh, go for that next tier of wide receivers. That's what I'll do here. Um, I'll take Marvin Mims at 2.04. Yeah, Mims has fallen slightly in some rankings. He was he was maybe even a fringe first round pick for a lot of dynasty managers post draft. But you know, I, I'm really torn on the situation there in Denver specifically because it looks like he could be in line for that number three job right now. But word out of Denver is is he's picking things up a little slower, and maybe he'll have to wait till mid-season to get that opportunity to crack in that that lineup in three wide receiver sets. I don't think that affects his value uh, so far that it would push him to the back half of the second round. He certainly belongs in this range, but expectations should be set that Mims won't be contributing to your dynasty team early in his rookie season. Uh, good pick there for sure. He certainly belongs in this range. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the running back position right here. And I'm going to, I'm going to take a guy that has moved up my rankings here in the last week or so. That's Ty J Spears with the Tennessee Titans. Um, some probably think this is a little too high because of Derrick Henry and the knee for Spears, man, that guy's elusive. And boy, did he look good the other day for the Titans. I know he was playing against second and third stringers. I loved Ty J Spears when we talked to him. At the combine, he just drips confidence, and he looks so natural with the football in his hands. The, the, the situation didn't bother Ty J. Spears. He belongs in the middle of the second round. And while this might be a couple picks too high for some, I think this is the right spot to jump on Ty J. Spears for that three or four years that he could be a real player for you. 
I'm going to do it. I'm taking Tank Dell here. I don't care. He's a mid-second <laughs> round pick for me now. Uh, listen, uh, with the, the size concerns, all that stuff, we, I get it. But he just – it's a preseason game, yada, yada. But he just did the same thing that he was doing in college. He lined up on the outside, and he scored a touchdown at his size. So I'm not worried about it. Every time I watched put, put on that, that preseason game and I watched every single snap of his multiple times, he was just open on every single play. It's the same. And we can talk about vanilla defenses in the preseason, how they're not showing stuff. And once the the, the tape catches up Tank Dell, maybe they're going to throw a body on him and that kind of stuff. But I just, I just think he deserves it now. He was an early third-round pick now. Based on that performance, I am more than happy to take him. Uh, in the mid second. And I think that I would pay on a contending team. I would absolutely pay a 24 second for tank tell right now. Oh boy. Matt's getting sucked in Ryan. Don't do that. Do not. <laughs> Don't listen to Matt. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. You don't have to. You don't have to. Pay. You don't have to. Uh, uh, all right. 2.07. Um, won't take my guy. Okay. I'm going to try to take your guy. Um, <laughs> I think I know who your guy is, but I'm not going to take him. I'll take that running back we talked about earlier. I'll take Kendra Miller here at 2.07. Yeah, I like that. This is the range for sure. Miller and Spears were back and forth. That's not my guy. My guy is probably not the guy you think it is, Ryan. I'm going to take Jonathan Mingo here at the 208. I was wrestling between Mingo and Spears at the 205. They're back-to-back in my rankings now. And while you may have to wait on Mingo just a little bit, You guys remember he was the sixth wide receiver taken in the draft. They have big plans for him in Carolina. And while there are some veterans ahead of him in the depth chart, I'm excited to see that one splash play this preseason that's going to shoot him up dynasty rankings. It's going to happen. He's a big body. He makes big plays above the rim. I'm excited for his upside. And if I can get him at the 208 in an August draft, I'll be just fine with that. I'm just going to take best player available here. And I think these guys are all, I think starting with probably Levis, maybe Bigsby, we're, we're just kind of in a big tier here. Um, so the next guy for me uh, is uh, the best player left on the board is, for, is Josh Jones, I think. And I am concerned about the fit with, um, with Anthony Richardson and his, and his issues over the middle of the field and the short stuff, which is, you know, presumably where Downs is going to make some money as a slot receiver. We're going to probably see a lot of two tight end sets, which may, may kick Downs off of the field. Um, but I think he's a player worth waiting for. We've seen him as excel as a contested catch receiver, just despite uh, despite being that, that primary slot option a little bit undersized. So uh, I just don't think, he, think he's the best player on the board. So he fits here for me at 209. Yeah, I'm on the clock at 210. I like the downs pick. Uh, one of one of my favorite receivers in this range for sure. Um, and this entire, really the entire second round, I think after you get past Laporta at 2-3, as, as Matt guy. was kind of saying. Yeah, you, you've got to just take your guy. You can't assume someone will fall. It, it's, it's really, these guys are really tightly packed here. Uh, I guess I'll go with Michael Mayer at 210. Um, in line to see... Uh, a, a role right away for the Raiders. And uh, I mean, that's kind of a team I want to avoid, honestly, but uh, with his, with his draft capital, with that landing spot where he could be a top two target, uh, I think this is a decent value. 
That leaves Rashi Rice for me at the 211. Uh, Rice has fallen a little bit for dynasty managers, but attached to that quarterback and that offense, um, this feels feels like a pretty good spot for him, Matt. Who are you going to round out round two with? Yeah, this is a this is a tough one. I think I'm going to go back to the running back position, and hmm, I lied. I'm going to stay at wide receiver. I'm going to take Jaden Reed here. Uh, I think he belong he belongs in this tier. He's he's maybe not the favorite option, but I think he certainly fits. I don't think there's a, that huge of a gap from somebody like Mingo down to Jaden Reed. Yeah, that's a good pick. I like that one for sure. He I, he was a consideration uh, in each of my last two picks, honestly. Ryan, uh, we are done with round two. We're going to have to scream through round three to get through it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, and Jaden Reed was the guy I thought you were taking earlier there, Dan. Uh, 3.01, mm-hmm. I will go with uh, Rashawn Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, he fits here for sure. I'm up at the 3.02, and I'm going to go back to the tight end position. I'll take Luke Musgrave with the Packers. He is going to be on the field a lot. He is the same as Sam Laporta. Same kind of opportunity, same kind of athleticism, going to be on the field all the time, and you can get him around later. That's what we did right here. I like Luke Musgrave at the 3.02. I would agree with you. He's like Laporta, but he's missing the production element from college, which, you know, tight ends often struggle to produce in college. So we can, we can uh, not hold that against him. Um, man, it gets tough right here. There's a lot of players that we were taking in the second round before that are still available here. I guess I'm going to take the right receiver. I'll take Jalen Hyatt. He's been getting some buzz in camp. He still offers, you know, some, some, some stuff in his profile that, that none of the other receivers, all those myriad of slot receivers they have in, um, in New York. And he certainly profiles as better as a slot receiver that speed slot, but you hope that he, cause he'll, he'll be able to transition to the outside. You know, I think Darius Slay is in his way a little bit, um, but you know, some positive buzz I'll take him here in the third. I'll take He's Hyatt. Hater and he took Hyatt. I know I am a hater, but in the <laughs> third, I'll take Hyatt's former teammate, Cedric Tillman of the Browns. Yep. Uh, so, somewhat buried, but uh, I still like like his talent. And that depth chart is going to look very different next year uh, than it does this year. Yeah, I like both of those picks. The last two of a tier for me. I got to go to the top of the next tier. That's Tyler Scott, who's overlooked a lot, but uh, making some noise in Chicago. Uh, probably not going to even be the wide receiver three in that offense, but in the long term, I like his upside. So I'll take Tyler Scott. I'm going to take somebody who I was not selecting and did not even have ranked here uh, previously, but it seems like he's got that very slow, steady, constant drumbeat that we talk about. That's Michael Wilson for the Cardinals. Um, you know, we we hope we would much prefer him to be catching passes from Kyler, but Clayton Toon looked pretty good uh, in the preseason. The first week of the preseason, Michael Wilson caught two catches, had two receptions. You know, not a not a huge debut, obviously, but he offered again offers something that the rest of the receivers in that uh, group do not. I'll go with Chase Brown here. Typically in that mid to late third round range and beyond, I I try to uh, focus on running backs instead of receivers. Seems like there's a little bit of of a better hit rate at that point. So I'll I'll go Chase Brown, 3.07, Bengals uh, backup running back. It certainly wouldn't be a surprise if, if this is Joe Mixon's last year in Cincinnati. Yep, like that pick. I'll take Hendon Hooker, uh, project quarterback, there for Detroit, um, long-term quarterback in round three feels okay. 
Oh man, so many ways to go here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a running back too. I'm gonna take Dwayne McBride here, uh, and you know I, I don't I don't I really know what's going on if Madison really is gonna get you know the entire Dalvin Cook workload, but if not, I think McBride is the guy that's gonna show up. Chai Chandler looked really good on in the preseason too, though. So three point ten, my last pick. I'm just I'm just gonna go with uh w- with my pre draft analysis and ignore everything we've seen since then. I'll take uh, Israel Banacanda. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good pick right there. I, I, you know, I got a couple of those guys too that that I'm just I'm leaning on what I thought about them in the uh, pre-draft process, and I guess I'll stick to that. I'm going to take Tucker Craft then, the other Packers tight end. He's going to have to wait, and he might play some H back, which isn't going to be great for his fantasy uh, upside. But we're we got to wait on tight ends anyway. I'll take Tucker Craft. At the 3.12, the final pick, we're going to take Puka Nakua. Needs no worries for the Rams. I'm not oh, that was that. bad. That was pretty bad. That we're going to leave the singing to Zach, um, to Zach Reed. But uh, caught a touchdown in his in his debut. Uh, looked good. You know, we, we liked him before. I still like him. That's going to be an out. Yeah, there's a handful of other guys that have been getting <laughs> some buzz, including Zach Evans. Um uh, Eric Gray in New York. It looks like he's got a maybe a stranglehold on that return job, and and could be the next guy up. I like the Dwayne McBride pick. Um, anybody else that we should have should have picked, guys? I got a couple. Ryan, you got you want to go? Yeah. Deneric Prince, the yep. Chiefs running yeah. back, was the other. He he uh, looks like he's going to make that roster. And uh, if I had uh, not uh, gone with my heart and taken a band of Canada, that's who I would have taken there. All right. How about Luke Schoonmaker? He he could have been yeah. a pick, Matt. He's, he's hurt. He's hurt. And he, did you say Evan Hall earlier? Yeah, he's banged up. But you could take him in the thirty-six spot, something like that. I didn't. Yep. I didn't hear if you mentioned Evan Hall already, but like he seems to be a, a priority add at this point, especially in the fourth round. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna hear his name in the fourth round of rookie drafts for sure. So if uh, if we missed your guy, or if we picked your guy too late, or wait somebody way too early, let us know on Twitter. You can get us at DLF Podcast. You can also get Ryan at Ryan MC twenty three. Matt's at Matt Price FF. Get me at DMiler twenty two. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.